Welcome to the CrossFit Engage podcast. Our goal is to share with you the success stories of our community and how they're living longer, healthier, and happier lives. Here we go. Coach Reynolds, the first coach that I think we've got back on the podcast. Is that accurate? Would I be correct in assuming that? I guess. I don't know. I don't know what coaches you've had on. <laughs> no, I, I believe you're the first uh, one that I've had back on, and I know we've got a couple more. But um, I wanted to do something a little bit different with this one. I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to chat because I think we've done a podcast in the past. We've kind of talked a little bit about your story, and obviously most people know you at this point. Um, but I wanted to jam on – I wanted to talk programming because you are one of the very few people – who has had a an opportunity, I guess you could call it, to experience literally every iteration of programming that we've done here at CrossFit Engage. Yes, I have. You are correct. Yeah. So you started in 2016, October, right? Was it? Yeah, 16. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, very end of October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you started... I was doing the programming in the beginning mm-hmm. and I programmed from 2016 all the way through roughly the end of 2018. We'll call it two, two and a half years, something like that. And then there was a shift and we'll kind of get into each iteration of this. But during my programming segment, when I first started in 2016 and when you guys technically, when you really started, we didn't have a foundations program then we didn't intro people in the way that we do now because everybody roughly was new and so when i was programming back then i would implement constantly varied functional movements that we would execute at high intensity right but they were almost at a it was more of a scaled programming if you will, for at least the first year of my probably two and a half years of programming. Because I knew coming into this space where nobody has really done CrossFit before in the area and everybody was relatively new to it and CrossFit was still kind of just getting, you know, some traction and stuff around that point as well, that these were workouts that needed to be modified right out of the gate because nobody was possessing these um, elite level Uh, capacities with any of the skills or the movements that we were doing. So I programmed in a manner that for the first year was scaled, if you will, to build everyone up to a certain level of capacity and of tolerance to the stimulus, the load, the the skill level, you know, of whatever name the movement um, and various time domains as well until I felt like you guys were ready. Yeah, now that you say that, I actually remember, like what we do now, we do a warm-up, we do a strength, skill, maybe not, depending on how big the workout's going to be. But I remember now, we used to go through a a warm-up, and then whatever we were going to do for the day, you taught us that movement. If it was a snatch, a squat clean, um, whatever the, if it was difficult, we'd do a burden or warm-up, or we would do that specific skill you would drill it in us over and over and over and then we would do the workout right because you were still teaching us i guess you're throwing us through a slow long transition of on-ramp yeah essentially it it was it was essentially when i had started it was a it was about a one-year on-ramp if you will and i like that i'm I'm gonna steal that i won't take credit for it but (laughs) i'm gonna use it uh and and you were right because again like i said i knew that you guys needed to be built first to a certain level before we could really start ratcheting it up to what I refer to as the sexy stuff, which we'll get into and we'll talk about what that is. But there was this base level of conditioning and strength and flexibility and stamina that needed to evolve first before we could really dive into that. So um, I did spend a lot more time teaching. There was a lot more emphasis and focus on educating. Hey, this is what this is. Because again, remembering that when I came into the space and when we opened up, there, CrossFit really hadn't gained a lot of traction yet with the global community. It was starting to. Um, but nobody in Dixon knew who it was or, or what it was. Uh-oh. And so starting off with a population that really didn't have a clue of what was going on, that education was, was priority. And in terms of ensuring that you guys developed 
safely and that you became more efficient over time, that had to happen. Fast forward to a year later, and then we, we started ratcheting up the intensity a little bit more because you guys were starting to figure some stuff out. Yeah, and you you were too, <laughs> and, and I was too, and and I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna say that I had everything perfect, and I what definitely wasn't, um, you know, as skilled in terms of coaching timelines and and lesson planning and all that kind of stuff. I just knew that there were certain things that you guys needed to know and that you had to learn to be able to execute the workout the way I envisioned it to be, and that started to happen. And when that started to happen, I was like, okay, they're they're getting pretty good. Mm-hmm. But they're also getting a little cocky. And you started sprinkling in girl workouts. And, and then we started doing benchmarks. Ugh. Correct. And then you were the first and one of the few. Actually, there's only two of you in existence right now at CrossFit Engage who have a workout named after you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this was where the cockiness, where I started to realize, I was like, okay. But see, that I, was a mis- I, uh, the story goes. <laughs> that was a misunderstanding, by the way. I feel like it, it depends on who's telling the story. Uh, well, that was Christian's fault. I'm pretty sure. Let, let's hear your side of the story first, um, and then I'll tell you what really happened. Well, <laughs> no, because just, I thought it was I thought it was about me, but um, it was it, we just did a workout, and it just we'd been been you'd punished us and punished us and punished us and, and a workout just came up that just wasn't as punishing and i said thank god we finally got an easier workout <laughs> and christian goes did you just say that was easy okay and then they went from there and christian was like i'm gonna tell colson so he then, just yeah. blew it out of proportion yeah. yeah so what i heard when the message was relayed back to me was hey justin reynolds said your workout was easy yeah and, and i was like oh mm. did he is that was that the the conversation, he's like, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, okay, message received, loud and clear. So the next day, and I wish I could remember what workout it was that you said was easy. I really don't remember. I don't either. I just didn't say it was easy. I said it was the easiest we've done in forever. Yeah. And that, again, wasn't what was related to me. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. still don't believe that. But, <laughs> uh, but I knew that you said it was easy. So I was like, okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give him something easy. Mm-hmm. And the next day, when you guys walked in, because back then we had Wattify, but we're still kind of learning how to use it, whatever. Yeah, and I still, it. and I still use the whiteboard quite a bit too. Yeah. So I had written up on the whiteboard. The workout was one minute, max cows on the bike, rest a minute, three minutes. No, three minutes. You're correct. Rest three minutes, and then one minute max cows on the rower. Understanding that this was everyone's first exposure to these machines like you had not even if you'd visited a rower you haven't spent extensive amount of time on it and your capacities hadn't been built around it nor had your experience of how these things were going to feel had been built around it yet so knowing that going in i was like oh this is perfect yeah and and you said you need to go like a bear's chasing you yeah (laughs) yeah okay and so Getting everyone to understand what intensity I was looking for, which was max effort, right? Uh, I did utilize. I said, hey, you, like a bear's chasing you. That's how hard I want you to go. But it was funny because when everybody came in that day, they said, oh, this is all that we're doing? This is it? Mm. And I was like, yep, that's it. And they were like, oh, well, I'm going to work on my pull-ups afterwards. I want to mm-hmm. do some heavy squat cleans. I want to do, <laughs> uh, you know, Cindy or like whatever whatever the workout was. They had all these plans that they were going to do all these different workouts thereafter. And I kind of had that. You used to accuse me all the time of like sitting in my – Yes. In my recliner, petting my evil cat when I was programming uh-huh. with just this like you know, sadistic laugh, I guess. But yes. um, but I kind of had that moment where I just sat back and I was like, okay, let's see who actually like does anything after this. And what a wake-up call. Yeah, man. You, people, bodies hit the floor. Bodies hit the floor. Everybody. People uh, passed I, out. I, people, people did pass up. out. People threw up. I remember uh, one specific individual who will remain nameless, but they know who they are. <laughs> yeah, you do. You know uh, who you are. Uh, they threw up seven times. Damn. Seven times. And then they proceeded to pass out with their feet propped up on the trash can. On that bench For 45 there. minutes on the bench that we have out in front right now. It was in our <laughs> first location, but that's where they were at. Uh, and – Knowing that everybody fell into the trap of the rest was really where things went wrong. People came off of the bike thinking like, whoa, 
what just happened. But then they would sit down mm-hmm. and they would allow all that blood flow that had just gone to their legs to just pull up and become stagnant. And then they started to lock up. And then when they tried to exert the same thing on the rower, didn't go so well. But I can tell you that not a single person that day did anything that they planned to do the day after. Mm-mm. And very luckily, you were there for that day. Everybody was wrecked. You were there, and we, we collectively named this. And nowadays, like, so now where the evolution of our gym is at and where the fitness level of our athletes are at, that workout would not be the same now. Even if you went for a minute and then three and then a minute off. Like, yeah. it would not have the same effect. So I would tweak it a little bit. but And, and our training age probably wouldn't allow us to go 110%. Right. And, and that's something I want to talk about, too, because we talk a lot about this in, in the training age. But collectively, that workout was named the Justin because of that comment and then yeah. because of what it did to people <laughs> afterwards. It's great. So in terms of the training ages, and this is, this is something that, like, even with benchmark wads um, – Back in the day when Greg Glassman had formulated Grace or Isabel and the goal, or let's use Fran, like everybody knows what Fran is. So 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull-ups. The goal of that workout back in the day when he had created that was somewhere between about five to seven minutes. Like that was the goal. And you were doing good if you got between about five to seven minutes and you were virtually elite if you were anywhere close to the three minute mark, maybe even low fours. The evolution of CrossFit and and everybody's capacity has come so far since then that now elite levels have punched below a two-minute Fran time now. And on average now, some of even your top and elite level athletes are cranking out sub two and a halves on Fran. But just to to kind of prove the way that like that workout would not work the same that it did then, now – so has every workout within CrossFit. They now there's there's new benchmarks, there's different stimuluses, and there's ways to make you uh, still kind of hit those certain time domains. So, um, but anyway, so you were one of two that has a workout named after themselves. The other one is the Russell. Oh, the Russell! Shout out to Russell. Um, he knows what he did a thousand air squats a thousand air squats yeah which started off as a joke like it wasn't actually something that was legitimately meant to be programmed because rhabdo is a thing and that's not something that we were (laughs) striving for um but as a joke and you have to kind of know russell and and you have to kind of know our our relationship with each other he would appreciate this but uh he had shoulder surgery not crossfit related he had an ongoing issue or whatever had some shoulder surgery and he came in literally the week after, and he was like, hey, what can I do? And he's in a cast, and, he, and he's in a full sling, and, and you can't move. Like, you can't jar that thing around. You can't have impact or bouncing of any sort. So I was like, well, and again, you have to know our relationship. But I was like, well, just do a 1,000 air squats for time. I was like, just time it and come back and let me know when you're done. And he was like, okay. And, and I, I remember, I, looked, I was like, really? Like, you're about to, what an idiot. Like, you're about to do that. Uh, like, it was, it started off as a joke, and then he actually did it. And uh, so, thus, then it became known as the Russell, where, yeah, now we just. And it's been done more than once. <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> but um, we did it. Uh, the only reason or the, the way that we did it again was we did it as kind of a sending away gift of Russell because he moved. Um, and so, we were like, hey, you know, this is kind of a staple for you. We got to do this on your exit. Um, and so we, we collectively got volunteers only to come in and, and willingly put themselves through a thousand squats per time, air squats. Um, and, the, and the word misery comes to mind on more than one account. But <laughs> I was unavailable, but everybody else had an advantage over Russell because he had to drive to Colorado the next day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that was literally the day before he moved. I know. It was yeah. terrible. He yeah. said he was locking up about Kansas. <laughs> oh, That's, I, I had locked up after rep 1000. Um, so that was some of the, my brilliant ideas, but the, the programming wasn't always that stupid. And, and I think no. it did build a pretty good foundation for everybody moving forward. The programming was good. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I can't say, yeah, that sounds kind of conceited, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, no, it, it, there was a, there was an intent, there was a purpose, there was a reason behind everything that I programmed and I, I liked it because I, I was able to implement everything that was 
CrossFit. You know, we did, like I said, constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. And so then I programmed all the way up until we moved into our new location. And I even programmed probably the first couple of months that we were here. Right after that, I visited my level two. And at the level two, their suggestion for all gym owners was in there, there's a very deep dive in terms of programming. And we talk about variants and how to um, program better, which was exactly what I needed, you know. Um, and they were like, hey, take this back. And as a template to try to figure out how to, you know, program a little bit better, we encourage everybody to use dot-com programming for a month and and roll it into your gym. And that was really my first introduction into actually having a lesson plan, having – and not that I didn't plan the workouts out in advance, but your timeline and making sure that everything flowed very well and very smoothly inside of a 60-minute class. And that was kind of the first iteration of that. What was, in your opinion, the biggest thing that you noticed changed between when I was programming for those first two to two and a half years to utilizing .com? Um, your programming that you used to do is kind of a, I would say, a blend between NC Fit and the program we're doing now. It was, you know varied and weightlifting and all over the place but dot com is very gymnastics and very technical and they did a lot of running yes it is it, it was it was way more all over the place yeah i agree but it was if you if you let your pride get in the way on the dot com programming you would get you would get frustrated because the difficulty level the rx stuff was the highest skill level possible and everybody wanted to touch that, but they shouldn't have. And it discouraged some people where it shouldn't have. They should have just listened to the program and scaled properly. And it was great. It was actually some really great workouts. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm digging what we're doing now, too. Okay. But, but, you know, the dot-com, if you've never looked at it, you should definitely look at it just as a reference to what we do here and compared to what they put on the website. Just check it periodically. It's just yeah. interesting. And, and I mean, and .com is true CrossFit. It is. It is true CrossFit. It's true CrossFit. It's coming from the, main, from the guys. Yeah. And, and I do think that, like you said, a lot of stuff that they program is hard. Very hard. It's, it's very hard. And it's very easy to get discouraged when things are hard repetitively. Mm -hmm. um, because they are very high skill movements. And it was, it did have almost a feel of gymnastics bias to it. Lots of but, holds. But also uh, a cardio bias as well. And... While they may not be as sexy and they may not be as fun, if you really understand the the pyramid of hierarchical needs in, in terms of our our methodology of training here, like metabolic conditioning is number one above nutrition, but in terms of programming, we're trying to keep it in terms of programming, is metabolic conditioning is number one. You should be able to go out for a long slow run you should be able to go out for a short fast run you should be able to do everything in between and if you dread doing that then that likely means you're not visiting that enough and you should probably do that a little bit more mm -hmm. also similarly above that is gymnastics so if you cannot control your own body weight you have no business controlling external objects or external load so Building it from the foundation up, if you really understood the programming and why it's designed the way that it's designed, .com is some of the most phenomenal programming out there that, that there is. Yeah. The problem in lies is that it's very challenging because they want you to build from the ground up for the reasons that we just listed. And sometimes that's not as fun. Holds. On a, on a bar, hanging from a bar, are nowhere near as fun, nor will they ever be, as a bar muscle up. They're just not. But if you don't have the grip, strength, and the stamina to hang and hold on the bar and keep, you know, scapulars uh, depressed and retracted like they should be, you're going to struggle. And it's not really a matter of if as much as when you're going to have issues with your shoulders when you start doing bar muscle-ups and stuff like that. So it's really from the ground up, and it has to be. But it wasn't as fun. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot 
bigger and harder of a pill to swallow knowing that there was that many holes in your game. And I remember the dot-com programming for me was kind of some of the first time because, and, and I'll admit, and I think anybody that has ever experimented with programming on your own, where you're in charge of the day-to-day program that's going down and you try to, you try to vary it for any lengthy amount of time, you're still going to notice patterns. And you're going to notice habits that you have. And you're going to notice that, like, ooh, i got to do that too. I don't want to do that. So then I may hold something back because I don't want to do it, right? Or whatever the scenario might be. And so that was the first iteration of getting me out of my comfort zone, teaching and coaching movements that I hadn't taught and coached in a while because I wasn't comfortable with them then. I am now because of stuff like that, but I wasn't then. And doing things that were hard that I didn't want to do because I didn't program it because I didn't want to do it. And that's not to say that our programming, when I programmed, wasn't still varied. It was very varied. It, it was, and we hit a lot of stuff, but I, I may not have visited things as frequently as I should have. But sometimes programming is more, I mean, as for a group, if I, you know, if it's better if it's more fun for everybody to show right. up. Exactly. So everybody staring at each other doing an L-sit two inches off the ground. Yeah, <laughs> because if it's not fun, I mean, you're not as likely to be intrigued by it. You're not as likely to yeah. be motivated by it. You're not as likely to want to push towards it or, or better yourself by it, uh, you know, nearly as much. So the dot com taught me a lot of things and I think it was very good. And I think it taught the members a lot of things. Um, knowing that it still lacked that element of fun and knowing that everybody was having to scale periodically, myself included. I remember the first dot com workout, and because I had programmed, I programmed to weights and stimuluses and go- rep goals and stuff like that that I could hit. When I was looking at other programming, I couldn't always hit those. And I was like, holy crap. Now I, I, I'm realizing now that I've been neglecting these areas, not intentionally, but I've been neglecting these for a while now. Um, that was an eye-opener for me. No, taking away what we did from the dot-com programming, we then decided to pivot and we shifted into NC Fit. And NC Fit, who is owned and run by Jason Kalipa, uh, 2008 Games Champion, um, worked very, very well. It was a refreshing change from holds and long runs that dot-com was programming. And it had a lot more emphasis on the generalities in terms of programming, in terms of the metabolic conditioning and the gymnastics work, but it kind of made it a little bit more fun. It did. It, it changed it up. It, it, yeah, it sprinkled in a little more fun. Yeah, for it sure. sprinkled in a lot more fun. I agree. And then we were able to hold that NC Fit worked very, very well, and we held that for about two years. And I will say that with NC Fit, I loved their programming. I think they did a phenomenal job. I have nothing but good things to say about NC Fit. However, NC Fit de-affiliated from CrossFit some years ago. I think it was like three or four years ago. I don't think they were affiliate when we joined with them. But they were just fresh out of the de-affiliation stage. And they're kind of starting to make their own grooves in the ground they're trying to start to carve their own path in terms of programming and what their fitness model kind of looks like if you will and so there were certain things that we started to notice that we weren't doing as much of and nc fit had a couple of different tracks that we would follow and their group classes is what i'm most commonly referring to right now um and their group model some things that elements that were missing were we didn't do a lot of overhead squats We didn't do a lot of snatches. There was rarely ever any ring work, dips, muscle-ups, toes to ring, pull-ups, whatever. Um, That rarely existed. We didn't do as many handstand push-ups. We didn't do um, pistols, right? There There was a lot of things, toes to bar, wall balls. A lot of these things started to kind of creep up as like, hey, we haven't seen this stuff in a while. And... I'm glad for the no wall ball. (laughs) (laughs) So if we could take an element from that and keep it out. Um, But no, I, and I think that it started to get to the point where it just, it worked and everything flowed really well in terms of a class perspective and everybody loved it. And I will even vouch and say that I got fitter following NC fit doing one workout a day than I ever did than I ever was before. 
Um, and it worked really, really well for me. But it gets to a point where, again, as these capacities develop, like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, is like people get better and they get better at certain things. And when you start eliminating things, other things come around more. And you start getting really, really good at those certain things. And the fear of now specializing comes into play where, yes, there's a lot of variety still. We're not saying we're super specialists or anything like that, but we're, we're missing some elements. And those elements are oftentimes, and I said I was going to come back to this, what I refer to as the sexy stuff. And it's what is fun, but also what I firmly believe uh, forges the most elite level of fitness. Because if you can do a proper overhead squat, if you can do a ring muscle up or a squat snatch or a handstand push up, it is far less likely that we have to be concerned about you in daily life or general life than we are anybody else. Because you have developed coordination, you have developed strength, you have developed balance and accuracy and flexibility and, and all these components that come with the general uh, skills of fitness, those are now back in the equation. And it's fun again. So we decided yeah. – uh, go ahead. I'll say real quick, the, the NC Fit wasn't not fun, but it did feel like they were grinders. Every one of them, they yeah. just was a grinder. Yeah, but the new programming has its grinding too. But oh, you yeah. just gotta. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you just gotta pick the path, right? So, and I agree. And it felt like they were a lot more. They were more endurance based, if yeah. you will. There was way less short sprint work effort. Um, it was put your nose down and work. Yeah, it was just point you in a direction and shoot, and just go get the work done for twenty minutes. You know, which is valuable. Yeah, is very valuable. I got fit, very fit, and. Again, kind of the reason that we decided to change it up yet again is we were kind of missing those elements. And those elements make things fun and yeah. they make things challenging. And that's something that I think no matter who you are, no matter what level you get to, you always want to be pushed and challenged because we don't like to suck at anything. No. And when you know that you do, it motivates you to want to do something, you know, and train that thing even more, whatever that may be. So we decided to pull the trigger and we gave it a shot. Um, and there's a lot of things that, that worked out here. I was in contact with some of the Mayhem guys and we, we were kind of chatting about um, their, their integration with Wattify, which is the software that we use here. And that wasn't available for a while. And so a lot of things kind of worked out and, and timed out perfectly for us. But... Um, they were like, hey, give it a shot and try it out because we're implementing this into, into Wattify. And I was like, okay, cool. So starting July 1st of this year, we started Mayhem, Mayhem Affiliate Programming. And I have nothing but good things to say so far. Um, the first week was scary. First week was a little scary. You're like, man. Any, is any this, switch is, this is, gonna get, is hard. Is this going to get any easier? <laughs> <laughs> but a couple of things that I really like about Mayhem is – they implement all of those things that we were missing. They implement the overhead squats. They do a lot of snatches. They do a lot of muscle ups. They do a lot of handstand push ups, pistols, toes to bar, wall ball. Like you name it, it's it's in there now. Um, and and it's now become a lot more fun. It's now become a lot more challenging to try to not relearn those skills, but redevelop them for sure. Um, and and start to build back those capacities that were once there. And again, we're only delivering a more well-rounded variable of fitness now than we were prior to because there's still as we've experienced this month already there's long and slow there's short and fast and there's everything in the middle they do a lot more interval stuff that um nc fit did not yeah and i feel like we ride the bike every freaking day <laughs> and i hate that piece of equipment with a passion yeah, nc fit loved bikes uh nc fit did uh mayhem also does yeah um but it's a, it's an amazing and an incredible tool. It's just not one that I love a whole lot. But uh, I'm getting there. That's a hole in my game that I got to get better at. Um, but the mayhem stuff has been has been fun like so far. Yesterday's workout was actually fun. Deadlift, box jump, sprint. It was good. Yes, yeah. It, it, that was that was a fun one to watch. It was Lock, a fun one to coach. All interference. That's good. Yes, uh, and that's something that I feel like. It kind of feels like I'm back in the driver's seat of programming again because I really loved when I programmed. I did the, we did a warm up, 
And then we did a strength through a skill piece. And, and there was, again, I was doing a lot more teaching and educating back then. Uh, but then we would dive into a, a hard workout. And depending on the timeline, like whatever, but uh, long and slow or, you know, short and fast, whatever. But that's kind of the feel that, that Mayhem's able to bring back. It does feel more like your old programming. And I will so, say that. Yeah, and so I think it fits and it aligns a lot more closely with the vision that I had towards the type of, of development that I wanted people to, to have and experience here. Um, along with that fun factor, like there's just a lot more logistically going on with these workouts that are, that makes it exciting in terms of the scoring is a little different too. And it makes you push a little harder to earn your score. And sometimes you even have to earn the right to stay in the workout without being disqualified from the workout basically. And so there's, there's elements there that programming aside, make the scoring and the actual challenge and the push of the workout a lot more fun and a lot more entertaining. Well, for for me not being a I actually probably never been on a Saturday, I never get to do partner wads. So I like the aspect that we get more partner wads with this programming. Yeah. Because that, it makes it more fun. It, it gives me I like rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and rest is good, but also rest, rest can be a red flag. Cuz you know that if you if there's rest oh, yo, yo, in, involved yeah. in the middle yeah. of a workout, you're going to have to go a lot harder there's a reason on the next for round. It. Yeah. But uh, and I will say, and I'm giving away a little secret here, so spoiler alert, but some days the partner workouts aren't necessarily the workout that they programmed. It's just like a large class option yeah. because we have limited equipment. But the way they program, it allows right. that so easily. Right. It's and a we're, smart and, program. And, and we're able to tweak some stuff as needed, and we do. Um, but I agree. I think the partner workouts are, are a lot of fun. Uh, they should not take up the bulk of what we do, nor do they. But – it's good to kind of implement those in every once in a while. And now we get some, some mixed chatter, I think, on the partner wads. And, and for anybody that's that's been here for a while, they know that Saturdays are always partner days, uh, have been since inception of CrossFit Engage. And some people don't like to feel like they're holding someone back or they don't like to, to push harder if they have a, a, you know, a stronger or a faster partner. And I can tell you that that shouldn't be a, a concern that you should never worry about holding someone back. You should modify appropriately for what you're able to do. And if someone is there to push you, as long as it's in, inside of the realm of safety and you're still hitting the goal, good. You deserve to be pushed. You should be pushed. And that's what we're here to do. So the partners, there's well, there's a lot of, I, I sometimes think. Sometimes I call it being pulled. Eh, well, <laughs> well uh, dragged, drugged, if you will. Uh, I, I agree, depending on the day. Um but I think there's a lot of value in that, and I think that there's some people that really, really love partner days, and there's some that maybe neglect partner days as well. But I think everybody's on board with why it's important, and and they understand and they know that this is why, uh, how it can help you in terms of your training. So um, I want to talk a little bit more now about – we've talked about the iterations of, of our programming from – me programming to following.com and we did NC fit and now we're at mayhem affiliate. What is you're a master's athlete. What is probably been the biggest lesson for you across all iterations that you've been able to apply every single time, no matter what the program is, no matter what the day, the workout of the day is as a master's athlete to continue to see progress and to have fun with it. What? Well, what I've been doing lately is paying attention to the stimulus. Like, what is this workout looking for me to do? Like, I don't care what number is up there for me to lift or the rep scheme. Like, what? What am I supposed to get from this workout, and how am I going to get it? So, that's been my focus lately, um, because. Being, you know, mid-40s, I'm not going to be able to do the 20-year-old stuff anymore. So I got to pick my battle and still get the stimulus that somebody else is going to get. So I've just been choosing my... So when you see me scale, <laughs> it's on purpose. Uh, it's to make me better. It's to make me hit the stimulus, get the reps in I'm supposed to get in, get the rounds I'm supposed to get in, and do what the workout's asking me to do. Like mm-hmm. when the program says this is the athlete's stimulus, 
you need to hit this. That's my goal. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a, that's a really good segue because I think it's very, very important that as a master's athlete that, that we call this, when you start to look at, at the aging athlete, if you will, we call it the master's quadrant. And what, the, now, what, what, let people know what makes me a master's athlete. Right. Well, so the master's quadrant has four different sections, four different uh, quadrants, if you will, a.k.a. a quadrant. So there's a lot of different um, – there's a lot of different archetypes that we can develop from this. And so what those quadrants are, each individually, is number one, what are your goals? Right. Number two, what is your age? Number three, what is your fitness level? And then number four – are you injured or uninjured? What's your injury state? And so we've there's two different categories. So when we really break this down, it looks like your goals could be either for performance, a.k.a. you are training for some type of specific event, or they could be for to increase your health and fitness, your well-being, if you will. Uh, and, and that kind of is the whole purpose behind that is to maintain a quality of life, right? And when you when we're looking at that, you have to define those first. So are we training for performance? Are we training for wellness? Those two have to be determined. Then in terms of what actually qualifies you as a master's or not is we have different age groups. So the age thing is now are we an early master's athlete or are we a late master's athlete? What we define as an early master's athlete is anyone between the age of 35 to 54. 35 to 54. That's an early master's athlete. Late master's athlete would be anybody 55 plus. Not there yet. Not there yet. Right. No, not there yet. Um, and then your fitness level. Like, are you currently pretty fit? Are you in good shape? Are you physically active? Do you uh, participate in intentional exercise? Or are you deconditioned? Have you not been doing anything whatsoever? Um, and then the last one is your injury state. So are you injured or uninjured? An injury kind of looks something to the tune of there's either – no physical limitations that would consider you as uninjured or there are acute or chronic injuries that could be short or long-term resolutions. And it just depends on what it is. And when you define those four things, it's going to put you into a very specific quadrant where now you know kind of how we should push certain areas for certain workouts. So if you are injured, um, typically what this is going to take is just prioritizing that injury over everything else. And it's not about clicking RX. It's not about lifting the heavier weight. It's about modifying something so that you can continue to move without in a pain-free range of motion. And so that you can come in and train the next day. True. Right. So the completion of that task and being pain-free and, um, you know, being able to come in and train the next day is the most important priority. That's number one. Um, if you were, let's say, considered a late master's athlete, uh, this is where we start. So 55 and, and up, this is where we would start looking at reducing loads. We would start reducing loads. We would start reducing um, movements, maybe some rep schemes. We have something that we would call like there's a like a rep calculator that we could do where we kind of control your volume over the span of a week, if you will. Um, so those are some considerations to kind of keep you healthy, so make sure that you don't get injured, right, and to allow you to recover so that way you can continue to, um, you know, train the next day. Uh, if you were deconditioned, we would say, you know, you should scale much more conservatively and try to really learn, dial in the mechanics of something first. Right, dial in the mechanics, dial in the, consi the uh, consistency, so be able to do that over time. And then now we're going to try to gradually ramp you up in terms of the intensity level, um, just like we would any other younger athlete. That's really no different there. You're just coming from not really doing anything to now we're participating in high-intensity exercise. Um, those are some really big things that we focus on in terms of the master's athlete. So defining the quadrant, knowing what your goals are, knowing why you're training and what you're training for. Are you injured? Are you not injured? Right. Are you conditioned or not? And then, uh, you know, taking it from there and just making sure that you modify appropriately. So a lot of reasons and, and things that can happen along the way, if we're not careful with this is like from a physiological standpoint, 
some things that we see fall off when you, especially as you become one of the later masters athletes, um, physiologically hormonal changes happen, immune system changes happen, musculoskeletal. We've got, we see a reduction in your stamina or your cardiorespiratory endurance, um, blood vessels. There's a reduction in the elasticity of the skin and the blood vessels as well. Uh, and the ability to recover from an injury or an illness might decrease, not necessarily because of the age alone, but also commonly just because of other lifestyle factors and priorities. That could become a reduction in, in the recovery. There's different psychological and neurological things that could happen. Uh, your sensory and perceptual uh, neurons, if you will, can change. Uh, your neurological capacity is impaired. Uh, your cognitive uh, abilities kind of change, your personality changes, social aspects of your life kind of change. So these are, these are some reasons why it's important to understand aging and why it's so important to scale because you are not what you were when you were 20. No. Well, me never working out before, I am better than my 20-year-old self. But, yes, uh, physically, no. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, it's something that it, it happens to all of us yeah. and it's not anything that w it's like, we're not judging you <laughs> or, you know, anything like that. But I don't think most of the people in here know how old I am. <laughs> Should we divulge that or you oh, want to let care. them guess? I don't care. I'm 44. <laughs> oh man. No. <laughs> the downhill side of the slope. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Still a young man. Still I, just I a spring like anyway. chicken. Spring like. chicken. Um, I, I do think, though, that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about aging, though, that I, I think are important for people to understand as well. And number one is that you can't get stronger or improve your physical capacities in any in any aspect. And I think you can speak for the fact that since you've started, you're stronger. Yeah, you're faster. Hundred percent. You're leaner. Mm -hmm. We've seen pictures. Yeah. You're leaner. Uh, more flexible. Well, that's to be debatable. <laughs> I was setting you up for that. I was going to see yeah. you agree. That's um, to be debatable. It is, it is debatable. Yeah. Uh, I would say in certain aspects. I'm flexible in areas. I would more say flexible. in certain aspects you're more flexible. Um, the other myth that I think we see a lot is that you shouldn't train at intensity. Sure. People are like, oh, I'm too old for that. No, you're not. No, no. You, you should not. Um I think the, the third one would be um, people think that because they shouldn't train at intensity that they should train at simpler or, or reduced skill levels so that they, again, kind of kind of coinciding with they, they don't feel like they should do the things that we're doing, if you will. Um, it's an excuse. I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and I will say that oftentimes older adults are often told by like, medical practitioners as well that the most appropriate form of exercise is walking and that might be a good starting point for someone who has never really been off the couch um but there's no ex evidence really truly to support the myth that walking is the simplified exercise program that that should that's the answer Walking, walking's not going to allow you to stand up good off the floor when you fall down. Correct. Uh, or pick something up off the floor. And something, yeah, and something that's very unique about CrossFit is the neuro the neurological factors that it that it carries with every workout and every movement that we do, the coordination, the agility, the accuracy, the balance. Those are achieved only by doing complex motor patterns of Olympic weightlifting and gymnastics. And the benefits that I think the older population are going to see from developing those capacities cannot be overstated enough. You no. know, what a, one of my favorite things I've noticed, and I, don't, I might be crazy, but as I've done this, I used to like roll my ankles or trip, you know, I wouldn't fall, but I would be more clumsy. I don't feel like I'm clumsy at all anymore. Like yeah. I feel secure, grounded. Like, if I do trip, it's, like, not even an issue. Like, I'm immediately catching myself. Right. Um, my, 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 my reflexes are still staying sharp. So. Right. And, and I, would, I would say that with that, being that, you know, they're, 
those capacities are being developed, even as you age, they largely become more uh, essential. You have to have those as you age. And that's a big reason why we don't try to oversimplify that we do not try to lower the intensity within reason. It's, yeah, re- yeah. it's relative intensity at this there's, point. There's a difference between safety and, and pushing. Right, right. So um, all in all, like the, the programming should not be simplified. There's, there's no reason for that. And, yeah. and something somebody asked, uh, one of my mentors had a really good answer for this. He was asked by one of his members. They said, I want to say she was like, 70 something year old woman yeah and she was having to do power snatches in a class and she came up to him afterwards and she was like why is it important that i know how to do a power snatch can i not just modify to something else and his response was just simply like listen if you know how to do this if you can do this well and not that she's ever going to be an olympic level athlete but just perform the task i'm far less concerned about you operating in daily life than I am some than I am someone who can't do this. Because you've developed these skills and this subset of capacities that you're gonna be a lot more functional, capable human being outside of these four walls. Yeah, Lord willing, no injuries between now and seventy, I'm still snatching. Right, exactly. Um another myth and we kinda of touched on this a little bit was that older athletes have uh diminished ability to recover. That recovery is a big factor, like, oh I'm I'm getting older. And that's the excuse. It's like, I'm just getting older. No, I'm recovering better now because I'm choosing I'm choosing the right uh, – I'm doing better. Right. And I want to say that I think by recovery what we mean is the ability to return to a pre-exhaustion state uh, within a training session as well as the ability to overcome effects of fatigue between training sessions. So being able to repeat an effort in a workout and then being able to come back and return the next day for the workout. That's what we mean by recovery. And I think the key point here is that it's convenient. And I think this is where the hangup is for a lot of people is it's become convenient for the older population or the aging athletes to blame poor recovery on age. It's convenient because they're not willing to accept that they're doing things that athletes need to do in order to maximize recovery. Or excuse me, they're not doing things that athletes need to do to maximize recovery, like sleeping or eating right, proper nutrition, de-stressing active recovery techniques, you know, et cetera. I often and commonly believe that the age, the belief that age inhibits the recovery leads to a lack of focus on recovery, which leads to the poor recovery. That's possible. Yeah. Sounds, sounds, yeah. So sounds viable for sure. I think that as a master's athlete, you know, there's a lot of different things that should be considered. But I think there's a lot of things that are that have become conveniently blamed on it, you know. And um, number one is just making sure that you're using appropriate loads and movements, you know, that are appropriate for you. Um, early masters, we often so any anywhere between about 35 to 54 um, are encouraged to work towards what a normal, typical, standard RX is for any younger athlete because working towards that is only going to increase certain abilities and certain capacities like we've talked about. Um, and one thing that's really cool that I like about Mayhem programming is that they have a couple different tiered uh, workouts. And one of them specifically is called Independence. And Independence is something that they utilize for a Masters 45 plus RX. So I tell any of our aging athletes in here that like, hey, that's a that's still a phenomenal workout and it's a really good option for you. It's something to push towards without being too much. I'm using independence today. Yeah. For sure. I'm gonna do the route of independence. Six teams across the board. See? And and it's still going to be a phenomenal workout. Oh yeah, for sure. Um I think anybody that's late masters, so fifty five and up, should consider scaling movements and loads to about 20 to 30 percent reduction of what your typical rx standards are and again relative intensity it's still going to be a phenomenal option for you and a great workout and you're not going to get any less fit but you're likely to mitigate your risk of getting injured by a lot um we talked a little bit about repetitions uh 
uh, calculator. Like we, we kind of control your efforts there. That's another way that we can kind of uh, mitigate, you know, the scaling options for some of our master's athletes. But I think as you age, it's important to know that things are getting harder. So work harder. Yeah. <laughs> right? No doubt. If Just you complain about recovery and you're not prioritizing your recovery, you have no business complaining about recovery. But if a priority of your life is competing in anything, then recovery is your number one priority. And if it's still not working, then we've got another set of issues on our hands. But if competing is not a priority of your life and you come in and you're complaining about recovery, there's still an issue there because it means you're wanting to push to a level that we shouldn't really be pushing to anyways. Yeah. And we're not prioritizing recovery. Like you don't have any room or right to complain about your lack of recovery if you're not working on recovery. Period. And that's a tough pill to swallow, but it comes from very honest conversations with yourself about what are your goals? Are we performance? Are we training for a specific competition or event? Or are we chasing wellness, health and well-being, fitness? That's what I'm chasing. And our goal is to increase or maybe even ma- maintain our quality of life. My, my goal is fitness, long-term quality of life. Hedge, hedging up against sickness. We call that health, brother. Health. Fitness over time. Yep. Long, fitness over long time. term fitness. Justin Reynolds, is there anything else that you want to leave the people with um, uh, in terms of uh, programming or being a master's level athlete that you feel like could benefit them and, and something to take away? When in doubt, gentlemen, use the ladies' weight. <laughs> And and check your ego at the door. <laughs> and check your ego at the door. But, no, that's a good scaling option usually. Check that lady's weight. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's usually a really good scaling option. Yeah. Um, but, no, scale appropriately. If you're, not admitting the st- if you're not hitting the stimulus, check yourself. It's not the programming. It's you. So. Couldn't have said it better. Justin Reynolds, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. See you all tomorrow.